This is a classic because unfortunately the power dynamics between genders is still very relevant. This is a classic because it's about figuring out a new path in life. This is a classic because it makes us reflect on our roles as artists. This is our history. This is our legacy. Shannon Corinthian, she, her, a curator for Expand the Canon. Expand the Canon is a program of Hedgepig Ensemble, a Brooklyn-based company that reimagines the classics, creating a legacy of storytelling with gender equity at its core. Today, we're exploring Lee Man Kui's Heaven Challenges from the Expand the Canon list available at expandthecanon.com. If you were to go to that site, and you should, you would find this pitch. If you're looking for a dramedy about reframing your life and learning to fall in love with yourself, again... Consider this powerful Chinese play about love, loss, and artistic identity. Taking place in West China during the Sino-Japanese War, Heaven Challenges centers around Shi Kun Yi, a housewife who has given up her love of painting to serve her husband. When he divorces her in an attempt to climb the social ladder, Shi Kun Yi must discover how to fall in love all over again with herself, her art, and her friends, who are just as lost as she is. If the confrontation of gender roles in Ibsen's A Dollhouse speaks to you, dive into this striking tale. I love that it's a play about, to dive right into sort of the themes and what I love about this play, I love that it's a play about like being an artist and figuring out like what it is to be like a professional artist and like how to navigate that on some level. I feel like, I feel like there is definitely a struggle for she about like, am I a real artist? Is this just something I do as a hobby? Like, what does it mean for me to be a professional? What does it mean for me to make money off of this? That's like layered underneath all of this other like interpersonal drama. I do love the question of just how as women growing up in a society where, you know, we always have to validate ourselves and make ourselves smaller to leave room for other people. Like, how do you take space as an artist and how do you not suffer from imposter syndrome or really believe in yourself as an artist, which I really identified with? Like, you know, how do you grow into yourself as an artist to be like, no, I'm worthy of this without um, validation from others or just as myself? I'm worthy of being an artist and I can call myself an artist yeah I think what's really lovely is that while that validation has to come from within I also think it's like nice to see that having supporters is not a bad thing like having someone to like go submit your artwork for you Mm -hmm. is also really helpful at certain times like we also could all use a support system yes and to have that in Liao my favorite man character in this play um is really (laughs) lovely agreed agreed I've been thinking about this lately a lot of just like how Art is a community, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a community endeavor. Like, sure, someone's name is attached, but, like, it truly is, you know, it's a community activity. It's a community engagement of you can't create alone. And I think we see when artists do create alone that they suffer greatly and that it's harder. And and sometimes you just need others to not to believe in you, but to to be there with you and to to be your support system. Yeah. I think that's that's something that was really important in this play too. Like even Pan, who, you know, is a problematic character in so many ways, does help she 
discover her artistry and and broaden. I mean, if it wasn't for him, she probably wouldn't, or maybe she would have, but not in the way, like, gone into the Western styles of painting, which mm-hmm. affected her traditional Chinese painting style. I think there are elements to that that are just like, yeah, you learn from other people, you learn from other artists, and you take what works for you, and then you let the rest go. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think there's also such merit to all of the non-artistic characters mm-hmm. in this play being a support system as mm-hmm. well of like, Wu Shuang was like also a really big champion of Xi and just like supportive of her work. And there are a couple of mentions of Xi's maids who are like, how can I like support mm-hmm. you in your other life so that you can continue to be an artist in a way that's really lovely. Yeah, support systems, huge. Yeah, especially, and I think that's something that what makes this play so relevant is the fact that this is still something that we talk about clearly today especially Mm -hmm. after what we've all been through in the last three years and continue to go through in our daily lives like community is so important and i think it's also the right community Mm -hmm, for each person mm -hmm. like it's so clear that her ex-husband not not (laughs) he's like please stop painting in fact she's like taking down all her paintings and putting up like generic photos of like international political figures at the beginning of the play when she's like mm-hmm. preparing for him to come home and so i think it's also like what's the right community for you who is actually going to support you yeah because it's clearly not her ex nope. yeah i think also the the title because you know you read a title of a play and you're like when is this gonna pop up and then it does and you're like this makes so much sense so much i sense. kept wanting to call this heavenly challenges and i even titled this recording like heavenly challenges because that's what you like want to conceptualize it as but then heaven challenges of like heaven is actually challenging you it just like I I remember having to sit with that for a moment when Liao and she are talking about her piece and just the fact that like yes going through hardship is hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there's another side of it of just to like keep keep going like these challenges are for a reason and whether you believe in heaven hell whatever there's a force out here that is pushing you to become stronger the whole like you have to press coal to make a diamond type of thing like and i think i love the sort of like like so many different ways to interpret it because i also think like she's interpretation of like but i want her to also be challenging heaven i want this woman to to challenge sort of what has been laid out in front mm-hmm. of her i think is also really apt of like how is she also pushing back against it all i think is very descriptive of the play oh my god i know i'm like and this is to no fault of anyone's but just like things happen and sometimes you cannot get back up right you're just like this yeah. keeps happening to me and i all i want to do is lay in bed and not do anything like this is just too much her strength is insane which again speaks to the the title and the conversation that they have with Liao that is very much like you get challenged in direct relation to how much you can handle right of like it seems like so much but if you are being Mm -hmm. challenged this way it's because you can handle it and you can grow and you can choose to or you can choose to to lay down yeah and luckily, she chooses to keep moving forward. Yeah. I actually really love how they describe all of the artwork. Yes. Like, I am back in college in an art history yes. class. And, like, looking at all of the symbolism. And I was, like, trying to imagine these pieces. And I was, like, you know, like, traditional Chinese painting is, like, not, it's not, like, full of stuff. Mm. They're, like, usually actually, like, pretty simple. Mm-hmm. On, on like, a surface level, they look really simple. And I'm, like... And yet she's, like, able to convey all of this information and all of this symbolism. And they're, like, talking about this artwork. And I'm, like, wow. Art is so descriptive. Yes. It made me want to go to a museum. I know that sounds so stupid, but I was like, I I want to go see some art (laughs) and, like, like, talk about it this way. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I was like, wow. I need to look at art right now. Like, yeah. Just reminds me of the power of art again, that, like, you can 
be in conversation and, and all of art is in conversation. Like I can imagine it being a world full of music and, and the set design must be amazing because you get to you get to paint these, right? Like could you imagine being yeah. the set designer for this or a props master and being like, I have to yeah. create this piece. These paintings. Yeah. I think if you speaking of like producer brain, but like if you were to do this, like do you work with a traditional Chinese artist mm. to really bring this together? I would love to see it done and know that there is a team behind this that like thought about each piece. Yeah. That thought about like what it would look like for she her paintings at the beginning of her, you know, kind of painting career and then to get to heavenly cha- uh, heaven challenges. See, I'm doing it again. Um, and get to heaven <laughs> challenges and how that transforms and also how the like Western paintings are in conversation with her Chinese paintings. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I think that would be so brilliant. Yeah, especially because those paintings are the only thing that changes. Mm-hmm. In the set. Like it's all in mm-hmm. one room and it's just about her taking down and putting up yeah. her paintings. Yeah. yeah. Like how do you set the mood for, you know, like could you imagine her house is full of paintings of color, of mm-hmm. life, of imagery, and then she's taking it down for her husband and talking about how much he loves him, but she's taking these yeah. beautiful works down and hiding them. Like just the, the yeah. kind of the emotional trigger that you get immediately of just like going from this beautifully curated space to just be bare walls. Yeah. And then he breaks her heart. Yep. <laughs> And then the paintings go back up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So anyways, whoever produces this, let us know so we can see this beautiful set. Yes, 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 for sure. Legacy. Before we dive into this plot, though, I do want to give a quick trigger warning that there is suicide in this play, or at least a mention of suicide. So just letting folks know and giving you some time to skip ahead if you wish or turn this off if you wish. I think we've done a really good job at distilling this play in a few sentences. But what is this play really about? What happens in this play? As that lovely short little enticing blurb tells you, (laughs) it's set in 1941 during the Sino-Japanese War in Chengdu, West China. And the play starts with your classic two maids gossiping about all of the goings-ons in the town. And what we learn is that Shi Kun Yi, the, the heroine of the show, is waiting for her husband, Chang Kung Pu, to return after three years separated. They were separated because of war, and the husband took a diplomatic job, and so it's just it's been a really long time. And they haven't seen each other for three years. Insane. I know. Can you imagine just, like, not even, like, telephones? They were just yeah not talking for three years. And the gossip says that Chong might actually have taken a second wife during this time, and Mm-mm. I don't know about that. But then we transition into actually meeting all of these characters. So she, who is the heroine, she's still really, really in love with her husband. She's super excited for him to come back. She clearly hasn't heard this gossip about maybe a second wife or a second family. Um, and she's mm. like preparing the house. She's like, he's coming back. He's coming back. I'm going to buy all of his favorite things. We also learned that she's sharing this house with a couple other folks. She's renting out a couple of rooms. Mrs. Pan, who is the mother of a, a painting students of she's actually is there and she visits and she's like hey your husband's coming back but also can you give my son some advice to actually go and marry his fiance of 10 years yeah. so in all of this we basically learn that she is a painter now where she teaches painting to some folks mrs pan's son being one of them and she's also really good friends actually with the fiance of mrs pan's son named liao wu shuang and so wu shuang comes and visits she and she's like oh my god i'm really worried that my fiance's feelings have changed because it's been 10 years and he hasn't married me still i would also be worried I know. I feel like this is a very reasonable fear. And she's like, no, 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 no. He's totally in love with you still. I'm going to tell him to actually marry you. Then 
Pan walks in, who is this elusive fiancé, and surprise to no one, he doesn't seem that interested in actually marrying Bu Xiang. She's, like, talking to him, and she's like, you've got to make this right, you've got to marry her. And Pan's like, I don't know, let's talk about something else. And he's like, why are you taking down all of your paintings here? And she's like, well, my husband's coming home, and he doesn't like it when I paint, so I'm going to stop painting. And so... Very quickly. Oh, red flag. I, exactly. I'm like three years away and he doesn't want you to paint. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Pan does one thing right. And he's like trying to convince she to actually continue painting. He's like, you've clearly got a gift and like your husband shouldn't be discouraging this. You should keep painting. You clearly love it. But she is like, I just want to be a housewife. I'm excited for him to be back. I want him to be happy. So I'm going to stop. It's valid. It's your choice. We don't want to take away anybody's agency if that's what you want to do. But. Red flag. Clearly. Yeah. 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 Red flag. Red flag. And so then this act ends with Chang coming home, as we expect. Again, surprise to no one. There's some more conflict happening in that he shares that he does actually have another person that he's interested in. And he's come back with the explicit intention of getting a divorce so that he can marry this modern woman named Evelyn in Singapore and start a thriving business with her and her father. And part of the reason he gives Shia that he like wants to get a divorce and marry someone else, he's not like, I'm out of love with you. He's like, I, as a modern businessman, need someone who can like engage in politics and learn English and be my business partner but wife and you can't be that so I'm gonna go marry Evelyn as if you can't learn it's like he really just saw her as a one-dimensional person who's just this right there's no the because they've been together for longer than the three years and they've been apart right so this has been like they've been married for a while they were in love and he's not like, you know what, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to bring you here. It's just like, I saw this other woman who's clearly doing, who's already got the things that I want, except the things that I love about you. So sorry, but we're done. Right. It's like, people can grow, maybe? Like, you also are starting a new business, so maybe people exactly. can learn. So anyways, she is very rightfully angry and upset, and she's like, we haven't even seen each other for three years, and this is the first thing you say to me. Like, what <laughs> is happening? I've been keeping your home. I lost your child while we were moving here. Oof. What is happening? And he's like, I mm. will give you a lot of money if you divorce me. And she's like, I will divorce you, but I don't want your money. I don't need you in my life anymore, which that is how Act 1 ends. I remember being like, this man is so callous, like so unfeeling, very um, transactional of like, this is what this person can bring me. You do not bring this to my life. You hold no value anymore. So I'm returning you to like returning this Amazon package, you know, type of thing and switching it for something else. Truly wild, wild stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) a month later, that husband is out of her life and she is painting again, which is great because she's just finished like a real masterpiece of a painting that like everyone who's visiting her is like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. This is the most amazing thing we've ever seen. Even among some of the most like renowned works, like this really stands up and she's like being humble and she's like, no, no, I'm just an amateur and whatnot. Mm. A number of people come and visit her during this time. Wu Shuang comes, Mm -hmm. the two of them talk about why is it that they have to be married in order to make a living in this world and like how difficult it is to be single women and sort of the reliance that they have on men. Mm -hmm. And then Wu Shuang's father, Liao Qingju, comes and visits Xi for a a couple of reasons. One is that he's actually a great art collector and she really wanted to know what he thought of the piece and just get the perspective of someone who sees a lot of really wonderful paintings. And he comes Mm -hmm. and he's obviously 
obviously like this is beautiful this is a masterpiece maybe add like a little bit more to the sky there's like some balance issues but other than that this is like really beautiful you've done this incredible thing of marrying like emotional art with like your technique and whatnot and during this time they like talk about the painting and what it's about and what they realize is that this piece is is about this woman who is well, she thinks it is a piece about the woman in the painting sort of challenging the heavens and being like, why have you given me such a terrible life? And why are you giving me so many trials? Which feels like it maybe echoes her own emotional state. Feelings, right, right, right. <laughs> Liao is like, well, you know, heaven puts the people who are like strongest through trials to help them get stronger. So maybe that's like part of it too, is that this woman in the painting, also she, is maybe being put through trials so that she can get better and go on to paint more masterpieces. And so they as a group decide to name the piece Heaven Challenges, sort of in recognition of the duality of who is challenging who and, and what what is the challenge here. I have to say, side note, just yeah. that relationship between Liao Qingchu and she. I felt like, especially within this play where the men feel very, you know. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, but the way Liao Qingxu speaks to her feels very like revering, honoring and respecting mm -hmm. her talent, telling her that the marriage, that doesn't end her life, like not being yeah. married and blah, 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 and really building her up as you would just a regular person, yeah. which you don't see. Like, this is the first man that you're seeing do this in this play. And he's an older, older man. I think yeah. he's in the 60s. Yeah. I just really found that super refreshing to see an older man in the 1940s speaking to a woman and seeing her thrive and wanting her to build upon that, really telling her to go for it and like building her up and helping her. It felt really beautiful, especially in that moment after you've seen her being tore down by her husband. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also think what's so lovely is that she's like asked him over for advice, but he, mm -hmm. I don't know, I think the way he like gives it is he's like, you know, I'm like noticing this and not like a prescriptive, like you should add yes. more stuff. He's like, it mm -hmm. seems like this is unbalanced and like maybe that's your intention, but if you want it to also be about how the heaven challenges people, like maybe you need to like give them a life more too. Yeah. Right, right. Which feels like what art is, like art yeah. should be, especially when you're in a community and you're building upon each other. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very beautiful moment. Yeah. Easily one of my favorite men in this piece. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the bar's low. <laughs> um, but he also has like a double motive, right? He's here and he's like, right. hey, Pan is supposed to marry my daughter and he hasn't in so many years. You seem to have a lot of influence over Pan. Can you also tell him to like come visit me? I think we have like we had some miscommunication in the past and I think the two of us should just like talk and figure it out and then they can get married and it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. um, and so she's like, yeah, totally. I can do that. I'll tell him to come visit you and I will do my best. So Wushuan leaves and Pan finally comes to visit Xi. And of course she is like, you need to go talk to your fiance's father and figure it all out and finally get married because once again, it has been 10 years. <sighs> and Pan is like, no, I don't want to do that because I am actually in love with you. Ta -ta -ta. And I want to break my engagement to Wushuan. And it's like, sir, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like no no Ugh. and so that's how act two ends um which is really you know a fun and terrible place for all involved um <laughs> the cliffhangers at the end of these acts are wild really wild it really helps keeps the pages turning so we jump forward to a year later. She has been working really hard. She picked up a job teaching um, painting. She's teaching these like, I think like high school girls how to paint. And so she's exhausted, but 
also happy, I think, because she's, like, making her own way. She has her own salary. She, like, can mm-hmm. paint still. She has time to paint in the morning. Well, she makes time to paint in the morning. And so she's doing all this painting. In the meantime, Pan has... Well, they say he's taught her how to paint in the Western style, but perhaps it is more of a, a mutual engagement. Mm-hmm. Teaching. Um, mm-hmm. But so she started dabbling in sort of Western painting styles and watercolor in addition to sort of traditional Chinese painting. It's not actually until this act that Pan reveals that he's actually planning on breaking his engagement. He tells Wu Shuang herself that he's going to break his engagement and he tells everyone that this is like his plan. I think in act two, correct me if I'm wrong, um, she tells Pan that like she cannot be in love with him, like that, that yeah. this relationship cannot happen. She encourages him to go back to Wuchuang. Like I am not in love with you. Yeah, like my this, husband this just cannot left me. happen. Yeah, my husband just left me. Yeah, literally, Pan, <laughs> wrong timing. But she has some, some clear boundaries that she set with Pan. And at the end of it, I think he also sort of like mildly agrees to like go. He's like, okay, I won't yeah, do anything. Right, right, right. He's like, I'm in love with you. I'll do whatever you tell. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but then a year later, <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm still in love with you, and. Ushuang comes and talks to him and he's like, well, I'm actually going to break my engagement to you. And obviously they get in a fight because of all of this. Duh. Because Ushuang was like, it's been 10 years and I'm still in love with you. Pan reveals that he's actually, he like can't love Ushuang because he's in love with Xi. And Ushuang's like, well, obviously when she was being nice to me, it was because she wanted to get closer to you and she's not actually my friend. And so there's this whole blowout where Ushuang was like, everyone is has been conspiring against me and... I am the victim of all of this, which to be fair, she is the victim of a lot of things. Um, Truly. So that happens. And then she is like, whoa, what happened? Why is Wuchang mad at me? Like she just ran out of the room and she's accusing me of all of this stuff. Also, I think um, important to note that she is, I think, older than mm-hmm. Pan and Wuchang. Not that Wuchang is correct in blaming she, but the I get where she's coming from and where you can spiral. I totally mm-hmm. see where she's coming from, especially when, like, she's been rejected so, like, yeah. intensely. Mm-hmm. And so she is finally like, dude, I really don't love you and you really have to marry <laughs> Wu Shuang. Yeah. And she's like, if you, like, love me and want to make me happy, then you need to make Wu Shuang happy so that I can be happy. Which, like, mm-hmm. great tactic. And so Pan's finally yep. like, okay, if it'll make you happy, I love you so much that I will do this. But right before he can go and tell Wu Shuang that he's going to marry her, Wu Shuang actually commits suicide. And the maid, like, runs in and it's like, she shot herself. So that yeah. ends very tragically, and is yet another cliffhanger at the end of this act. So then one month later, um, in Act 4, we find out that people are actually blaming Xi for Wu Shuang's death. They're like, she seduced Pan, she drove this wedge between them, she like convinced Pan to not marry Wu Shuang, and it's her fault. And so the scandal is now following her around, and she ends up being fired from her post as a teacher because of it. She truly cannot catch a break. No, it's just one after another. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I found another job at a school that's farther away, but I don't know how long it's going to take before the gossip will reach them and I'll be fired. And so she's just in this mm. behind of like, she had just found her like career and a way forward and a way to like be independent and everything is coming crashing down on her again. But the one sort of golden light in all of this is that Liao, who is Wu Shang's father and the like art critic, he comes and he's like, you've been so kind to me in the wake of my only child's death. And I think you're really talented and we've become really good friends. I want to gift you the house that you have been renting from me. And that she's been currently living in. And so he comes and he's like, here, you are like basically my only daughter now. And I'm going to give this to you. And so she like at least has that sort of security of like, she can stay living there. And if she wants, she can rent out the other rooms and make a little bit of profit there. 
my respect for Liao fully Truly. like jumped. Yeah, it's like yes, <laughs> <laughs> especially because like his granddaughter supposedly killed herself because of her relationship with she, and to still be like I recognize that this is not your fault. I think there's there's also the moment where Liao is like Pan socks, yes, <laughs> and berates Pan and. Um, it comes from the respect and the understanding, I think also with his age, of like understanding what the situation is and being like, you do not deserve this. Regardless of what everybody says, I will continue to support you. It's just so beautiful. Yeah, and I think it's really lovely because he keeps mentioning, he's like, you visited me so many times. You like helped mm-hmm. me like work with my grief. And I'm like, I love that they just like have this friendship and like yes. care for each other. And I love that the play was like, yes, he also grieved about this whole situation and was, like, depressed for a while. He was like, yeah. I could barely get out of bed, and if it weren't for you, like, I think I would have stayed there. And mm. so, to, like, even to hear secondhand, like, his, his vulnerability was really heartbreaking, but also really lovely to, to witness, mm-hmm. I think. After he leaves and gives her the house, Pan comes in and is like, oh my god, there's a painting contest happening with these incredible prizes. There's a Western art division, and there's a Chinese art division, and the, like, first place winner of each of the divisions will get to not only get a lot of money, um, but also will get to teach at the National College of Arts. They'll be invited to be a professor there. So obviously a great opportunity for their careers. And Pan is like, I am definitely going to submit something. I'm going to paint this painting that is called Wu Shuang's Paradise. It's going to be about the paradise she dreamed of. And I'm going to submit it. And I'm going to win. With all the confidence of a straight man, he says he will win. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, yeah, you should do it. That sounds like a great tribute to Wu Shuang. And I'm sure you'll win because she is a supportive mentor slash painting partner. And so some months later, in Act 5, Han has finally finished this piece that's inspired by Wu Shuang. But also, at the same time, he's, like, still wooing Xi. He's like, I painted this piece in memory of my dead fiancé, and also I still love you, and we should get married so that when I win this competition, you can come with me when I teach at the school. Which is like, okay, weird timing, but okay. Yeah, as if you haven't been the one who's been teaching me and supporting me and being my mentor, my artistic mentor this whole time. And so she's like, "Mm, we'll see. I don't know if I'll marry you. (laughs) Which, so (laughs) fair and so real of her. Yeah. And then Liao enters and he's like, hey, you really should submit your piece to the competition. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know that it's that good. And Liao's like, I don't care what you say. You gave me this painting a few months ago. I'm going to go submit it on your behalf. And you will see when you win that I was right and you were wrong. And I'm like, this is maybe the only time when a man does something without her consent that I feel okay about. Um. Yeah. And so he enters this painting, and like a month later, we learn that she did in fact win. Liao was right, and she was wrong, and she won first prize for Chinese painting. Also, Pan has won first prize for Western painting. Good for him. But there's all these articles in the newspaper that are like, yeah, he won, but like the true masterpiece here is still she's piece, and like compared mm-hmm. to like her piece, like Pan's piece is like really just fine. And it's like actually quite a mean article about his piece. And so Liao comes in and is like, she, I told you so, you won, and they've invited you to be a professor. And Pan is like, wait a second, I haven't gotten my invitation to be a professor. And so he throws this whole fit about how he wasn't invited. And he's like, whatever, I didn't want to teach there anyways. And he's like, you shouldn't accept it. And he's like, really mad and just throws a whole fit. And so she ends up feeling some like imposter syndrome. She's like, I've only ever taught like middle and high school girls. I don't know if I can like teach real artists, quote unquote, real artists. I don't know if I am like, yeah. ready to be a professor. 
she's feeling all this imposter syndrome and obviously everyone's like you should take it you like you've won this prestigious spot and and the even the gossip about Wu Shuang can't take that away while she's deciding all of this her ex-husband Chong actually comes back he's like hey saw that you uh won this cool competition want to be married again she's like wait what and he's like yeah I divorced my wife in Singapore and I want to marry you and she's like hmm I feel like no, I don't want to be with you again. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so she refuses him, which is, that good is worth. She, good yeah, job. That was, yeah, 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 <laughs> good job, good job. I know the change from act one to act five in terms of like what she says to him is Yeah, beautiful. really, really lovely. And so after she decides not to marry him, she's like, you know what? I will take this position at this school. Like they offered it to me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to leave this place and leave it behind and like go take up this prestigious position, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. And then in the final hour, Pan comes back. He's got an envelope in his hands and he's like, oh, so I was actually acting too rash. I did get an invitation to be a professor so you should accept your professorship and we should go teach together and then he's like oh you did already accept great (laughs) 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 let's go move to the city and teach together and she's like okay and so the two of them walk off into the sunset and teach art yeah yeah which for me, it was maybe not the most satisfying ending because sure. I dislike Pan. But, but I, I, I understand it. Yeah. Feels the most real. They've been friends for a while. He's going to accept it regardless. So I think it speaks to her more than it speaks to him. She's a very forgiving person, yeah. clearly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I wish she could be more spiteful, but I understand that. Like, underst- I see it. Yeah. Like you said, they're friends. He's yeah. clearly going to go. And like, why start a fight before you even get there? Exactly. So that is what happens in this roller coaster of a play. Such a wild ride, but beautiful. Yeah, really beautiful. History. Should we talk a little bit about the playwright? Yes, what a great segue. <laughs> <laughs> so Li Man Kui, or, or Li Man Kui um, in Chinese, uh, was a trailblazing politician, educator, and dramatist. She was born on June 13th in 1907 in the Taishan Guangdong province of China, and she died on October 20th, 1975 in Taiwan. So she was 68, if I'm doing my math correctly. We actually don't know a ton about her personal life, but she had like a really prolific political and artistic life. Mm -hmm. A lot of her like political positions was about like educating folks and like teaching people art and teaching women to read. And and she's like very educationally minded in sort of her political perspective. Mm. She's actually one of the first women elected to the legislative yuan, which is a governmental branch that sort of decided on like budgets and and laws and stuff. And she's elected in 1948, which is a very big deal. On the artistic side, she's actually also described as the mother of modern Chinese drama. So she's got like a lot of a lot of titles to her name, a lot of achievements, I would say. Yeah. It's like when you see in those like old movies or Mm. fantasy books, if you're going to read them and they're like, um, I don't know. Uh, Brad, first of his name, <laughs> Slayer of Dragons, also Brad, lols. Um, <laughs> Slayer of Dragons and blah, blah, blah. I feel like this is her. Yeah. This, these are her titles. It's like name upon name upon name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So she graduated from Yancheng University in 1930 with a degree in Chinese and then moved to the U.S. right after to attend uh, the University of Michigan on a barber scholarship. And that scholarship is like specifically for women who are excelling in their field and gives them basically a full ride to University of Michigan. So more excellence coming from her. Yeah, That's really sort of where she started writing plays. She studied playwriting and essays and and fiction writing and while she was there she won the Hopgood contest for drama and essay for a play called The Grand Garden and then also for her four essays on Chinese literary criticism so prolific writer a a really successful one clearly after that she was employed as a compiler for the biographical dictionary of famous Chinese in the recent 300 years at the Library of Congress in Washington DC which is like huge project right famous Chinese in the last 300 years Oh my god. Wild. <laughs> also at the Library of Congress. I'm like, right, can't right, right. imagine it. Um, <laughs> These two things in the same t- sentence are just right. again. Also, yeah. I'm thinking about how like like she was raised in China and probably English is like a second language on some level. Like yeah. incredible achievements all around. Doing academic work in a language that is not your first, that is not your native language, is so, so impressive. Hard. Yeah. I yeah. just think that's crazy. She does not stop there. She then goes to Columbia <laughs> to study playwriting and story writing oh. while also working part-time at the East Asiatic Collections at Columbia and editing the Far Eastern magazine, which was specifically geared towards their international students at the time. So more education, more writing, more working at impressive places and excelling. But after Columbia, she missed China, rightfully so. She grew up there. Her, yeah. um, and so she went back to teach and to write more and to like really create art for her people, which is really what she wanted to do. Right. But during the Chinese Civil War, which is between 1945 and 1949, she moved to Taiwan because of all the conflict. And she is credited actually with reviving the local theater in Taiwan because she used her political influence to raise the profile of drama and to increase funding for theater. And so she had a really big hand in bringing all of that yeah. back. While she was there, wow. she also organized two big drama festivals, the World Theater Festival, which was really about bringing around like classical plays from all around the world to Taiwan. So there's like a cultural exchange of like what is this country's like famous classical play and like what is that country's and just like a way to bring it all together mm. and then she also created the youth theater festival which was focused on chinese plays but written by the youth written by college students really in a way to like raise up the profile of theater among younger people which is always important as we know yeah yeah she like really wanted to encourage international cultural exchange she really wanted to make sure theater stayed alive and like present in the minds of youth and she used her like power and influence to do that which is really cool. So then in 1960, she established the Little Theater Movement, which is a way of introducing Western styles to Taiwanese drama. I don't know this for certain, but I feel like it was probably influenced by her time in the U.S., I would bet. She probably, yeah. like, was like, wow, what a great way for me to marry all of, like, the styles that I've grown up with and, like, what I've learned. Right. And also, we kind of see parts of that in, like, Heaven Challenges when they're talking about Western painting and mm-hmm. Chinese painting. Anyways, I'm, I digress. But she, did, <laughs> she established she established that movement, and I think that was, like, really, also really pivotal to Taiwanese drama. Mm. And that's sort of the extent of what we know about her, like, achievements and what she's done. And as you can tell, we really don't know anything about her personal life. I don't know if she, like, ever found a partner and, like, what her friends were like. But clearly she had a great, like influence on Chinese theater. You know, the fact that all we know about Li Manque is her achievements, brilliant. That's Probably. what we should know yeah. about. You know, like her successes and what she brought to the world, to China, to Taiwan, to the US, and the knowledge that she shared. I don't know, I feel like that's kind of beautiful, but like 
when you speak about successful men, you mention their achievements. Yeah, right? like, like that's first. Yeah, that's first. Exactly, exactly. And then the the drama the drama of their personal life is second, and it's just like a little sprinkle. This feels right. Totally agree. Also, just like in a very impressive list. I'm like at the end of the day, yes. still incredibly impressive. For sure, for sure. I mean, this is a recurring theme, and this is Emily Lyons' line, but. They're all badass women. Like, all of these people who are writing these plays, they're clearly so successful. And that's why we talk about them, and that's why we highlight them as classics. And now, a scene from this play, performed by Lizzie Roberts and Tim Liu. Tell me, why are you so hard on Wu Shuang? Because I don't love her. How can you know you don't love her? Seeing her day after day, she would become mediocre even if she were an angel. But what's it you don't like in her? Nothing particular. Then why? It's because... Because I have discovered another woman who is ten times, a hundred times more worthy to be loved than she. What? Oh God, you too! You are of the same kind. All the same. Oh, Oh, please, Kunyi, don't place me with that group of men. I am for love alone and not for fame nor for money. I have been suffering a fathomless pain because of this love. You all have reasons to excuse yourselves. I only pity Wu Shuang. For ten long years, she has been wasting her love. I had never thought you, too. I guaranteed to her that you certainly would not change. But I was wrong. She is, after all, a keener person. She has guessed it. This woman is no other than... Oh, please listen to me. I don't need to listen. And I know well the same leaden type of words. Don't get angry, please. I'm not angry. I'm only sad. Why are you men all like that? Please, don't cry. I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. I'm your obedient... <laughs> Oh, you're like a little child. You don't understand me. Of, of course you don't. Don't take it this way, my friend. There's no reason why you should be so miserable. I'm not miserable. I've been happy recently. It, in fact, I don't want any more. It is good enough this way. Yes, Mushuang is really a good girl. I don't mean her. Then you're still talking about the other lady, aren't you? Who is she? Why haven't I ever heard you talk of her? I talk of her every day. But you won't tell me. Why shouldn't I tell you? If you only let me pour out everything from my heart and if you won't get angry. Kunyi, don't you understand? Don't you know my heart a, a little? Mr. Pan, I will tell that lady that you are already engaged, and your fiancé is a very good girl who loves you very much, and I will advise her not to pay any attention to you. But I love her. No matter what she does, I still love her. But she will not love you. She shall not steal away another woman's love. How could she wound another woman's heart and ruin her happiness? If another woman has stolen her own love and wounded her heart, why can't she also... Mr. Pond, how can you say that? Do unto others what you want others to do unto you. The more one is wronged, the more she hates seeing other people wronged. 
If she has had such an experience, she would certainly sympathize with Wu Shuang all the more and understand her misery. I think your moral standard is too high. Why too high? Should it be low? It's all because people do not keep up their morality that there are so many unfortunate things in this world. Everybody is selfish. Everybody wants to have things suited to himself alone and forgets that there are other people to consider. Mr. Pond, please listen to me and don't let your love falter so easily. The fate of a woman is miserable enough. Thanks again to Lizzie and Tim for that beautiful scene. And thanks to Daniel Kapara for editing this episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of This is a Classic, the Expand the Canon podcast. Learn more at expandthecanon.com. If you believe in the importance of expanding the canon, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to this podcast. And then hit the share button and forward it along to a friend, colleague, or professor. For info on what's up next, you can follow us on Instagram. At Hedgepig Ensemble Theater. Facebook. Slash Hedgepig Ensemble Theater. Or join our mailing list at hedgepigensemble.org. And you can also support this effort by donating at the link in the comments below. Again, I'm Shannon. And I'm Kalina. Bye. Ciao.